Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Thursday Trust Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 736. Welcome to a big edition of Trust Life. And it's a brand new Thursday. It's a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. I'm calling it Moving Day on Trot's Life, and it's going to be a slightly different structure in the sense it'll be just me from now on. Jason Bonington has other matters he will be dealing with on a Thursday. So I'll be joined each week by Tim O'Connor, and the segment, uh, seeing it's moving day, had to be dubbed Teeing Off with Tim. Then we will have, he's down the line there having a chuckle. Uh, we will have uh, Mick Guren on the back nine with Jamie Cockshut as well in the back nine. So we've got a few holes to sink in the back nine the first hour. The show will be moving its focus from the Wednesday with Wombat show where it's more, a, I suppose, an industry-based show. I am focusing, moving our attention to the weekend's main events. And Tim's been on the last three or four weeks and teeing off with Tim. Uh, I do love the name. Uh, Tim, come in, Spinner. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Great to be on. I like it too. Let's just hope I don't shank the first shot off the tee. That'd be a bad, bad way to start the new segment, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon if you and I are playing golf, there'd be a lot of trash <laughs> spoken and not very, very many good shots. A couple of drinks probably included as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, great to be on. And, um, yeah, this uh, this, will be, this will work well. Hopefully we'll bring everyone up to speed with any news that's going on and really set the scene for the weekend in uh, in harness racing. We've also got Tim in the first half hour. Noel Watson's going to join us, which you're going to hang around for and you'll ask the probing deep questions and I'll just ask the superficial ones. Well, uh, yeah, well, I think he'll be happy to talk to us because uh, he's going to be pleased to talk about his horse, which is going around on Friday night. So we shouldn't get him too offside, but looking forward to everything that's ahead, mate. 100%. So start teeing off, mate. The ball is on the tee and ready for you to have a swing. We're going to pull out the driver. Pull out the driver. (laughs) Oh, great. Great segue. Great. I don't muck around. Uh, yeah, it's not a bad little play on words too. But now let's <laughs> let's kick off the uh, let's kick off the show with uh, I guess uh, I guess the, the the key news at least from yesterday's perspective uh, the Inter Dominion f- uh, series is really heating up. We're heading towards the heats on November 26, and the first round of acceptances were taken on Monday. So with that, uh, I spoke to Jason a bit during the week, and a few horses uh, we were able to relay that come out on Monday of both the trotting and the pacing series, but we've, yeah, we've we've obviously, we've lost a fair few of the, um, or quite a number of the, the key fancies in the pre-post market for both series have come out after that first round of acceptances. So just a couple of highlight runners. Uh, these are all on the trots.com.au website, so you can jump on there and, and have a look at all the horses that have been withdrawn, but the reigning New Zealand Cup champ copied that. Uh, the Western Australian star Magnificent Storm, multiple Group 1 winner Bondi Lockdown, and last year's uh, Cranbourne Pacing Cup winner Supreme Dog. Dominator among those to be withdrawn from the pacing into Dominion in recent days, while the 2021 uh, grand final winner Maori Law is out of the trotting division, so he won't defend the title. Sunday Sun, the Kiwi star.
uh, he's not coming across to have a crack at the series. Uh, Chris Lang's high-profile trotter, Olivici, who he's talked up about a horse that he wants to take overseas at some point, uh, he's withdrawn from the Inter-Dominion as well. And also Anton Golino's top mare, I'm Ready Jet, who uh, I know Nathan Jack was uh, tipping around as a, a potential winner of the series, and uh, she has also come out. So there's some of the big guns, Toby, that are, that are out ahead of the first round of heats at Ballarat on November 26. I know you, well, I assume you won't be able to answer this, but the big question still remains, will there be two divisions of the Trotters heats or three divisions? Because those horses precariously place, like Mufasa Metro is 28th at the moment, it goes around on Sunday at Maryborough. Horses like Hatchback is 31st, Zarem 30th, Kukulain is, or Kukulain, depends what camp you're in, is 32. Those horses are desperate to know, would there be two divisions or three divisions? And I don't think you're going to be able to give me that answer yet. No, but I certainly asked it in the office yesterday. Actually, yeah, um, yeah. Just, I just sort of said, "Hey guys, what's uh, when are we sort of when are we thinking?" Um, so I think it'll be a late call. Um, look, they didn't. I wasn't able to nail them down to anything definitive. But it, look, it's still in the thinking. It's uh, it'll probably it'll come down to. I think uh, this is my opinion, not theirs, but I think it'll come down to numbers. You know, if we if we've still got a good solid base of horses there. Um, vying to try and get in. I think they'll run the third heat, but um, if not, natural attrition, if it keeps sort of trending this way, we lost a, you know, as I said, went through a few of them there, but we probably lost, uh, oh, I'm just looking at the list now, 10 to, to 12 horses just in that first round of acceptances. So it'll obviously trim away again when the second round uh, of acceptances are done on November 18. So look, certainly still in the conversation here in the racing office, but um, yeah, I can't I can't help you much more, mate. Well, she got the driver out. David Moran is staying in Victoria, mate. Yeah, the Lensmith Mile uh, is one of the Group 1s, one of five Group 1s on the Menangle card on Saturday night. David was down to drive that horse. He's got a great association with Honolulu Bay, uh, having driven him a fair bit through his career. But uh, obviously with Ladies in Red going around at Melton in the Group 1 Queen of the Pacific on Saturday night, he, he had a decision to make. I think most would have made the one that he's made. He's he's going to stay in Victoria uh, and drive Ladies in Red in the, the last leg of the Elizabeth Clark Mayor's Triple Crown. So that meant a new driver was required for Honolulu Bay in that group one and Amanda Turnbull I was speaking to uh, Amanda Turnbull will drive Honolulu Bay in that Lensmith Miles chatting to uh, the owner Bill Anderson yesterday and I, I sort of asked him if he could give us a bit of a scoop there but he uh, he said it was up to a couple of drivers and he was, they were leaving it with Emma and Clayton I think and uh, I checked this morning and it's Amanda Turnbull so she'll drive in the group one David Moran's also got a runner uh, on the card at Menangle as well, so, but he won't be heading up. So he is definitely staying in Victoria, and he'll drive ladies in red, unsurprisingly, in the Queen of the Pacific on Saturday night. Don't know if you heard the story from Brian Gath on yesterday's show, mate, in the 1975 Hunter Cup. The driver of True and Armour was suspended, and Brian Gath's stable hand at the time, just as a joke, went and rode up on the board, crossed Kevin Thomas's name out, and put B. Gath underneath. <laughs> Right, I didn't hear that. <laughs> no, well, the trainer thought that it must have been the owner's request to have Brian, and the owner thought it must have been the trainer's, and it just stayed that way. It got listed in the paper, and Brian got the drove, drive, oh, won wow. the race, and it wasn't until after the race, on the dais, they figured out that 
neither person had actually put Brian on, and it was just his stable hand had written his name down, and that's how he got how he won the 1975 Hunter Cup. Wow, <laughs> unbelievable! That, well, that's amazing. Well, maybe that's why they call him the Little Master. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of reasons why they call him the Little Master. <laughs> well, that's got to be one of them, surely. Yeah, it was a that's great, a great story. It was a great little story, actually. We we digress, mate. I got a I got a a funny feeling. Ladies in Red has a massive task. We heard from Garrick Knight about Brayview Kelly's gate speed. He thinks mm. it'll cross and lead easily. Mm-hmm. If Ladies in Red has to work over 2760, and maybe she ends up working to the front, Brayview Kelly's going to have the last drop on her and come up the inside, similar to what Doug's babe did last week. If she wins this Ladies in Red off the off the run, she had to she had to lift last week to win that race. It will be. One of the greatest wins I'll ever see, I reckon, if he can back up and win this. I just don't see how she can do it. I don't know what camp you're in. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure either. And I was chatting to Bill, and I've, I've spoken to David Moran uh, this week as well, prior to treachery coming out. So that was probably skewed a bit of his comments. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, Brave You Kelly certainly holds the key, and I think uh, both Dave and Bill would, would say that. Um, I think there's a, a hope that, from them, maybe that she hold, they keep the lead with um, this horse, and then keep Tough Tilly posted. And there's a bit of a um, bit of speed on, and a bit of a bit of a war up front. And then maybe Ladies in Red could come with one run, or you know, I don't really know how it's going to pan out. It could all change, but it's it's so intriguing. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's going to have to. I thought her win the other day, Toby was one of her best and I put that to Bill and he agreed I thought I know the the group three Angelique club pace wasn't the highest profile race she's won but I tell you what the way she did it and lifted in the last 50 he also thought she was beat Bill uh, and so did I but she lifted and uh, and poked her head out and yeah she's going to need something similar I think on on Saturday night I'm not going to rub it in, but it was a great spot to be the judges' box and watch her just just lift off the campus from that from that view up the top there that we get now the Redwood Classic, mate, I've had a quick look at this, and I've I've narrowed it down. I think there's 12 winning chances, but if the emergency gets a run, it could win as well. So I've narrowed it down pretty well to to 12. Uh, yeah, well, good on you. Well done. <laughs> I can't do much better. Um, I'm looking at the market here, and it's pretty open. Uh, I think Susan is her name, currently about $3.30 on the market on the tab. Uh, Rockin' with Attitude, $4.00. The Locomotive, three eighty. There, you're sort of 3 key runners uh, in the market and I'm just going to write a little story for the Maryborough uh, advertiser shortly actually just on Jaden Barker who's uh, chasing his first group one win with rock and with attitude being with that horse from day one and uh, picked up his first group level win uh, the other day back uh, mid-October winning at Melton so it'd be a great story for him I just had a look up uh, he has driven in a couple of group one races before in his 500 or thereabouts start career as a driver but obviously never won one so it'd be a massive thrill for him uh, to win one of our big group ones and you know it's not just any old group one it's one that, with a lot of history and prestige so good luck to Jaden Barker it'd be it'd be fantastic to see him win with rock and with attitude trained by David Miles and the derby I suppose that when Plymouth Chubb galloped with 100 meters to go yeah, when wow. she pulled the earplugs uh it opened this race up a bit and the draw has done so as well Cravash Dior was a heat winner Courage Stride was a heat winner and Harry Stamper was a heat winner but I tell you what she's an open race now yeah, uh, Cravash Door a dollar eighty. Harry Is Stamper yeah. two seventy. Um, so they're your, they're your two pronounced favourites. I'm, I'm such a fan of Harry Stamper. I love him. I think he'll win the race. Um, massive respect for Cravash Door. 
Um, is that, I mean, there's other horses in there. RC Phoenix goes all right. He's going to go around at $34. Chatting to Jabon last night, and he thought that was a really good place bet uh, at $5 for RC Phoenix to run third in that race. But oh, I'm Harry Stamper. I'm big on Harry Stamper. I'll, um, I'm going to I'm going to keep sticking with him. I know he's 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 made mistakes a little bit in the past, but uh, I don't think the the other day uh, at Melton was entirely his fault. And uh, I thought he would have run straight past Plymouth Chubb on that occasion. And the run at Kilmore prior to that when he. He couldn't slot in, and he went forward, and then back, and then come again, and just went down narrowly. Oh, I think he's, um, I think he's very, very good. I've thought it from, from day one when uh, a certain uh, professional punter told me to watch the trial of him when he came to Victoria, and uh, I was blown away then. And he hasn't let me down, so I'm keen. Harry Stamper at two dollars seventy. Have you got the field right there in front of you? Yep, I've got them here. Yep, um, yep. we've got. Um, there's a going dr- to run through it. There's a no, no. There's a driver in that race who only has driven trotters in the last five months and has a 57% winning strike rate over the last five months. Only driven trotters, hasn't driven a pacer. How's that for a statistic? Trying to find out. It's a fantastic statistic. You want to help me with the name? Uh, (laughs) He's a mate of mine, Anthony Crossland. So he doesn't drive much. He's had seven drives in the last five months for four winners, all on trotters. He is, I'm telling you, he's the most underrated driver of trotters in particular going around, Anthony Crossland. Wow. Uh, any danger you could pronounce the name of the horse he's driving? Hephaestus Phoenix. You've done very, very well. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to have a go at it. On that note, we're going to cross to an ad break, and then we're going to cross land to Swan Hill, and we'll get Noel Watson up on the other side of the ad break. Hang on there, Tim. I'll let you ask some probing questions after I ask all the nice ones. Welcome back to Trot's Life. It is your Thursday edition. It's moving day. Unfortunately, uh, there's a bit of water moving towards Swan Hill, but there's also the focus of harness racing moves to Swan Hill on Friday night. And Noel Watson and Jared Maloney, they're the faces of the Swan Hill Club, club is what I would describe them as. And Noel's on the line. Firstly, Noel, mate, how are you and what are you up to today? Uh, mate, I'm very, very well. We're, uh, we're still hammering away through harness racing, to be quite frank, with you said. We've yeah. got the cup. Coming up, but we've also picked up Mildura's meeting for um, Melbourne Cup night because unfortunately they're not able to race. So we've, what is it, four race meetings in about 10 days. So it's full on. Yeah, 100%. You were there on Tuesday night out on the track. I think that was you, wasn't it? Out there working away throughout the night for the, at 11 o'clock for four horse races. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we had 12 races and unfortunately... Due to the late notification, as everybody probably understands, um, the Mildura guys just couldn't arrange transport to get yeah. them all down, and uh, that's just the, the nature of the beast. And Monday was pretty busy, so uh, yeah, Monday night was pretty busy. And but the track held up fantastic uh, with the amount of rain that we've had. Uh, it's just yeah, a real credit to Arthur Graham and his crew. Yeah, I actually, uh, in my role as the judge, I go around and pack up around the track all the timing beams and. I must admit, even after the last, it was like the track hadn't been raced on. And I even commented to Jared Maloney and said said that very thing. And, you know, it is just, it'll be ready to go Friday night. There are no concerns about the track whatsoever. I oh, know, mate, it's lightning fast. Don't worry about that. Uh, no, the, well, as you know, if it doesn't rain, we've got to pour water onto it, which is yeah, certainly yeah. Uh, a bit ironic given that given the thoroughbred track around it is underwater. But <laughs> yeah. they, they scratch their heads when they see the water truck come out. Now, mate, tell us a bit about what having a runner in the Swan Hill Cup will mean. I went through some history. Uh, Torrid Saint has run a second in a Swan Hill Mile. Courage Saint ran third in a Swan Hill Mile, which are big races on Cup night. But I couldn't find a runner you've had in recent times anyway in a Swan Hill Cup. I know 
Uh, you won a Naya Cup back in the day, but uh, which was, I think, run at Swan Hill. But to have a runner in a Swan Hill Cup and a real live chance with Torrid Saint must be pretty exciting. Oh, very, very exciting. And you're right. I mean, we we won the first race, the first cup on the new track. Uh, that was with the, these, this fellow's brother, actually, um, St. Flash. So, yeah, it was very exciting back then, the first ever. And there was a massive night. I think half of, well, I know, half of Swan Hill were there because yeah. we got a population of 10,000. There was over 5,000 on the track that night. But, mate, to have this fellow go around, um, look, we bred him. And from day one, you look at him, you think, oh, I don't think this horse is going to make it. He's narrow in the front and he's light framed and all the rest of it. But he, the one thing he did have from day one when um, the late Keith Lintzel broke him in, Keith did a magnificent job with all of them, he had speed. And that's what he's still got to have. He has me. Everybody sees yeah. it at, at the right time. If he, can, if he can get the race run to suit, he's got the speed. Yeah, spot on. That, that sort of leads me into my question, uh, my, my first question here. And, um, yeah, yeah, look, I, I think he's he's racing as good as he has. And I think that's backed up. I went right back through his form, and you'd probably know this yourself. He's running a number of group-level races throughout his career. He's had 122 starts, but he broke through for his very first win at group level with the smoking Up Sprint on October 1st. So that suggests to me uh, he's going as good as ever, even well and truly after uh, over 100 starts in his career. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it's just taking that time to develop physically. I reckon to just to to get himself right to the position where he can now do some work, which he did in the smoking up and and kicked away on the corner. Just not not arrogant, but just was just with his sheer speed. Um, and certainly the race was run to suit. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And um, Eric Anderson and Glenn and Julie did a terrific job in, in so much as that they decided to spell the horse, which I think was the making of him. And he's come back physically stronger from that spell and. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and his overall record, I think he's been like top three 50% of the time he goes round, which is astronomical considering the number of starts he's had. Uh, tr- spot on. Uh, 122 career starts, 16 wins, 21 seconds and 14 thirds. Y- you spoke about his lethal speed, Noel. Um, I just wanted to get your, uh, your sort of thoughts on the Geelong pacing cap. I know Jack Law used your horse to make a real race of it. I'll tell you what, he yep. nearly got to the front there against Mac Dan, and I reckon it would have been very interesting if he had have. So um, what did you make of the Geelong pacing cap start last Saturday night? But, uh, all credit to Jack. Um, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people say, oh, you know, he's crucified the horse. Well, we were never going to run anywhere because the leader was mm. getting away with absolute blue murder up front. Mm. And that's terrific. Good on them. Yeah, they're the leaders. That's their prerogative. Yep. But if nobody makes a move, they're going to run 31, 31, 31, when, what, 25 home. So somebody had to make the move. And, uh, yeah, I know it didn't maybe pan out as, as we thought. But, mate, he came within a hair's breath of really creating the drive of the year. And, and to be quite frank, some of his drives have been terrific. I mean, have a look at the drive in the Kilmore Cup. I thought it was outstanding. I know we didn't win, but that was an outstanding drive. Noel, is the best horse you've ever owned? I think I've asked you this on air before, actually. It has to be Torridon. She's been an amazing mare. Her first nine foals have all, or eight of them won for a total of 90 wins. Saint Flash, Courageous Saint, Torrid Saint. What a horse and what a mare she's been to you. Absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, um, I was talking to Dan Malecki at the trots and I go back a long time and he was the one who, I didn't set it up, but he just gave me the, the, the phone number to ring to buy the mare because I liked her breeding, really liked her breeding. Yeah. Um, and I just thought she'd be a terrific mare to pick up a couple of it. Mate, who would envisage what she has done? And, and you know what? You look at her in the paddock, you would swear she's 
15 years old. She's in immaculate condition. She loves it. Dr. Greg Anderson, is that who you bought her off? No, um, uh, can't think of his name. Or, yeah. Anyway, oh, and, sorry, as the owner, yeah, yeah, but the trainer, yeah. was sorry. Lee Everson. Lee Everson would yeah. have had her, yeah. Lee, that's it, was was Lee. And Lee was fantastic because um, he really helped us out too, um, gave us plenty of advice to, you know, because we, we raced her for a little while. Uh, I raced her with Greg and Shane um, Cramp, and uh, they did a terrific job with her as well. So, but oh, just a look. Everybody loves a mare that, that produces, and every now and then you get a little little gem, and certainly she's one of them, absolutely. Mate, what about uh, the Saint name? Can Well, it's I think we're pretty obvious what it's about, but tell us about where the Saint name comes from. <laughs> and then uh, if yeah. it's what I think it is, what are your thoughts on Ross Lyon while we've got you? <laughs> okay, well... I'll jump in at the deep end. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a Saints man. Don't worry about that. Uh, not, it's easy to remember all their flags. It's like one. It's decimal currency and, and St. Kilda's flag, 1966. It, it all happened at one time. was busy. But, um, oh, look, I, I feel really, really bad about the way that the coaching thing's gone. Um, I'll be quite open about it. Um, I, I wouldn't have put him back in the job. But having said that, he's got the job. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see because, mate, it's it's like horse racing, isn't it? Yeah. If you yeah. haven't got the cattle, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You've got to have the cattle, and that's where that really testing point's going to be. Good luck to him, um, but next couple of years, it, it won't be, uh, you know, too heavenly, I don't think. And are you training any horses yourself, mate? I know you've trained oh, plenty of harness horses over the journey. You've had 34 wins as a trainer, but... You've often sent them off to yeah. other people once they're fit or something, and, and yeah. you train a few thoroughbreds as well. Yeah, yeah, look, the, the training side, of um, we, just with work and footy and all the rest of it that we do up here, um, we just normally a little pre-trained type program, and, yeah, they go down, or we're going down to Eric um, or up to Darrell in Queensland, or um, now Vince Vallelong has picked up a few. Um, so we just sort of get them rocking and rolling and then, um, you know, try and distribute them out because... With the tyranny of distances, you'd understand up here, um, we're two and a half hours, probably a good two hours anyway, from anywhere. So it's a lot of travel. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a difficult program to get them to that point. Um, but, yeah, it's got a few gallopers. I'm a licensed um, uh, gallops trainer as well, so dual licensed. And we had a little bit of luck with um, Regina down at Mooney Valley a, a little while back, which has been yeah. well documented. Yeah. But yeah. We've, got a couple, we've got a couple in work, so we'll just plug along while we can. Uh, on a club front, no... I think one of the blessings to the clubs being the training centre at Charlton. You know, there seems like there's nearly a race and a half or two races at every one of your meetings now coming up from Charlton. And, you know, Ryan and Abby Sanderson are coming. Mick Gadsden's coming with horses. Greg Norman's coming with horses. Ash Markham works on yep. the track. Ash. That that sort yep. of training centre at Charlton has become more of a regional training centre for, for Swan Hill, Maryborough and other places as well. Oh, absolutely, it has, and we've we've acknowledged that quite openly. Yeah, um, and and in fact, embraced it. We're trying to run heats and all sorts of things just to uh, you know maintain that link. And as you say, where there's some discussions going on with another club at the moment that we might be able to run, you know, some heats and finals into uh, another bigger club, uh, just based around that sort of uh, area. And you're right, it's absolutely fantastic. And I mean, even of late, um, trainers like David Murphy have been yeah very very supportive. It's a long way for David Murphy, but. And we dip our lid to to him and and you know Michael Bellman etc. But um, they've taken the time and the effort to come up. The good thing is they've been winning races, which is fantastic. And I mean they're just great harness racing people. So we really do appreciate the support. And 
and, and our normal base, which is obviously here in Mildura and Chuka, et cetera, it's been stretched a bit. Yeah. But Mildura, um, again, you know, they've got some difficulties up there at the moment, which we they, they are working through and we're trying to support them. Um, but they're very good supporters too. But uh, going back to your original point, yeah, that Charlton base has certainly been a boon for everybody, I would suggest. 100%. Noel, thanks so much for coming on, mate. I think uh, we're going to have you on Trots Vision as well. So I enjoy uh, doing a bit with you on Trots yep. Vision uh, tomorrow night for the 3SH Swan Hill Pacing Cup. Good on you, boys. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Toby. Thanks, Noel. Thank you, Noel. Cheers. Well, let's get to the news. And thanks again to Noel and Tim O'Connor, who... Uh, the boys have dropped off the line now. So thanks to those gentlemen in particular, Tim, who's going to come on every week. He'll do the first half an hour, I think, and he'll tee off in the first 15 minutes with some news. And then uh, hopefully he can uh, put a few on the green with our first guest as well. We're a little bit late for the news, but that's okay. We'll get to the news. We'll come back the other side, and we're going to catch up with a couple of tips from Darren Carroll, who joined Gareth Hall this morning on Giddy Up. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. No, Jason, Jason, Jason Bonington today, and he generally won't be on on Thursdays going forward. It's a bit of a a new and old edition of Trots Life. It's called Moving Day Now, and I've just dubbed it that. It hasn't been really ticked off by anyone. I'm just rolling with it. Tim O'Connor will join me each week as we just did also have uh, Mick Guren uh, in the back nine along with Jamie Cockshut uh, covering off New Zealand and Tassie Racing. And in the meantime, we will generally turn our focus and our attention, we'll move our attention towards the weekend. Probably really should have Mitch Moosidebottom for moving day, but uh, we don't. He may sometimes. Darren Carroll, though, the uh, my good mate Darren and... He's an absolute astute judge and tipped a lot of winners on uh, Giddy Up with Gareth Hall. And he was on this morning and to save Darren coming back on and giving uh, another set of uh, saying the same tips again. We'll catch up with uh, Gareth and uh, Darren on Giddy Up this morning. Then we'll take a break and we'll come back with Cam Brown from Harness Racing Australia. Uh, there's been an announcement in recent times about a slight, couple of slight changes to the handicapping system, in particular with three-year-olds. And uh, it's blown up a bit on Twitter. And uh, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one that's uh, that's read the read it all and in detail and understands it. So it looks like it's going to be a great thing for the average three-year-old to be able to at least win a race or two extra. So uh, let's catch up with Cam Brown on the other side from HRA of the break. But first, Darren Carroll with Gareth Hall. What are we doing there tonight at Kilmore Trots, Darren? First, um, yeah, just a couple that I'm keen on. Um, start off in race four, number two, Pesky. I really liked its last start um, where it sat parked and got home in 56-1 and um, only went down by a lip at Maribor. So if it repeats that effort, I really, really think it's hard to beat tonight. Um, it's drawn two, so the Rio Rock in the pole can do a few things wrong early. So it'd be an absolute bonus if we found the front. If we did, then it'd be really, really hard to beat. So... It's going to be around about $3 mark, maybe a touch more. So I like race four, number two, Pesky, to start our night off. And um, then race 10, number five, Baxter. Uh, this horse just loves the standing start. Um, there's no front row because it's been scratched. So effectively starts off 10 metres now. 
it's the best end horse in the race. It's the best horse in the race, and it's got Chris Elford aboard, so ticks a lot of boxes. So hoping to get out to about even money at jump time, and I think it's a really good bet. Race ten, number five, Baxter. So race four, number two, race five, number ten, our two plays at Kilmore. Good on you, mate. Race ten, number five, Gary. Oh, sorry, race ten. I've lost the plot today. Race ten, number five, Baxter. All right, mate, That's good right, luck. Man. Hopefully Alpha can wear some you. magic. There we go. There's Darren Carroll there. Race four, number two, and race ten, number five at Penrith. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. bit lonely on Twitter for me last night. Welcome back. It is Trot's Life. It's moving day on Trot's Life. And Cam Brown has joined us. And I think Cam might listen into a few segments on the show every now and then. So we should be expecting the first question. Cam, how are you, mate? And whereabouts are you today? Hey, Toby. Um, really good, thank you. And I'm, um, I'm in the office here in Flemington and I'm um, really pleased with your intro song. It's an absolute belter, so I, thanks for I, that. Big fan of your Matchbox 20. Hey, well, there you go. I've just plucked that because oh, some people put some uh, things up on Twitter uh, yesterday and uh, I was throwing some things back at them. Uh, like, not, you know, I'm just trying to work. I've looked through your press release to grab some of those stats and... Yeah, there has been issues around this. There's a whole heap of horses come back as basically 50 Raiders. So you, HRA, just firstly, run us through a couple of the changes that you've made to the NR system, mate. Yeah, sure. And I, I suppose I understand, especially being a horse owner myself, that any ratings change is a highly debated topic. Um, yep. and we're not going to get it right all the time. Um, however, we're, um, since the system came in, in in 2019, we've been really thrilled with the way it's going, um, and it's often difficult um, to separate conjecture from, from fact. Um, but, look, we, we are really um, thrilled with the way that the numbers um, are looking from a, a wagering perspective uh, from a competitive racing perspective and from, um, importantly, a, an individual winner's um, perspective. So it's great, um, and we're going to get the end-of-year statistics shortly through to end of December 2022, but um, our 2021 statistics were were just brilliant with um, almost record highs in terms of individual starters, races, winners, total starts, average starts per horse, um, and average prize money. Um Long way to answer your, your question, Toby. Yep. Um, but the each of the um, states involved with the rating system, we all get together four times a year, um, and um, the RRT is represented by uh, members of uh, the five states and the racing managers from the five states. Um, they workshop um, ideas and proposals as to how to improve the system, um, and they consult with their members um, of their uh, state participants as well um, as to ideas as to how we can make the system um, better. So, look, we got together oh, six months ago um, and there was clear consensus from the group that 
the transition from um, two to three was really affecting the system um, from a competitive racing um, perspective and wasn't allowing uh, states to program um, as best as they could um, at the two and three-year-old level. Um, and they proposed the changes which uh, were approved um, a few weeks ago uh, that were presented um, last week um, as on Harness to Old AU. Yeah, I, th I think that's the key point here. And to put it in AFL, uh, to put it in AFL sort of language to as an analogy, you get all the coaches of the sides in before you make a change to the rules. And if the coaches all say, "Well, this is what we want, and this is what we think," then H then HRA, which is like AFL, say, "Well, if that's what you guys want, uh, yep, the statistics support it. Let's change the rules in that fashion." So. It's the coaches who then are getting the information from, uh, representing the clubs in that example. Say so the state racing managers represent the states and say this is the changes we think that should happen and HRA implement them. Was that a fair analogy? I think we've lost him. You there, mate? Oh, no, absolutely. And as I said um, off the top, it's important to separate opinion from fact. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. Hello? Toby, it's, um, I was saying off the top, it's important to separate opinion from fact. And what these, um, what the RRT does is carefully analyse all the data um, across the system in order to come up with the decisions that they've made. Yeah, very good. I'm just the phone lines uh, have been a bit of an issue here at uh, SEN for some time, mate. But uh, now I've got. Let, let's go through some examples, and I've. The, well, the main one that's contentious, I suppose, that people are talking about, and, and maybe you can quickly actually summarise how horses are reclassified from a two-year-old to a three-year-old, if you want to just quickly explain how that's going to happen going forward. Yeah, sure. As it stands, um, two-year-olds start at 35, um, and then they progress um, upon turning three uh, to essentially 50. Um, in the last couple of years, we actually had 94% of the two-year-olds um, when they turned three uh, progressed to 50. So yeah. they simply, um, in the main, got a 15% um, bump um, at two to when they turned three. Um, this change will see all two-year-olds start at 50. Um, and of course, when the two-year-olds run against uh, the older horses, Toby, they'll receive a discount uh, for when they race against the older horses. So. In terms of competitiveness for the two-year-olds, um, there's not a lot of change to the two-year-old racing system. Yeah. In the main, two-year-olds will continue to race two-year-olds, and if they race the older horses, they'll get an appropriate discount to help them along uh, for when they they race against the more experienced horses. Um, so, look, when they do turn um, three, they'll receive half points off uh, the points that they've um, accrued across the system. So. A two-year-old that starts at 50 might get up to 70, and when it turns three, um, it will drop back to 60 points. Yeah, I want to, uh, as owners, they're the two-year-olds we want. But so what I've done here, mate, I, I've had a look at, at an example, and I think the big thing, the top echelon horses, this is not going to affect because ladies in red has never raced in a ratings-based race. Tough Tilly has never raced in a ratings-based race. Those top horses, they just run in Oaks Heats, Oaks Finals, and they're not... They're, the ratings are really regard, uh, irrelevant to those horses. Uh, my brother's little mare, Moments Like These, who you'd be familiar with, 
She's had uh, 41 starts, only six times she's been in a ratings-based race, and interestingly, she's won four of those. Doug's Babe, another one I looked at, 45 career starts, nine times in ratings-based races for four wins. So those top four uh, mares over the last three or four years, and, well, two real top winers and two better-than-average mares, Combined 136 starts, only 15 times they've raced in ratings-based races. So my point is, this won't affect the absolute top horses in the industry because they're not really racing in ratings-based races. And where it's going to be great is the slightly better-than-average two-year-old or three-year-old is going to be pushed away from just the average three-year-old. So you'll probably have an example, which, which maybe you've got an example of how and av- uh, uh, previously, a good two-year-old's come back as a 51 raider, and a two-year-old that never won a race came back as a 50. And it's just not fair because there's a big discrepancy in their ability, but they're starting off the same point. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're spot on. Um, I'll throw a couple of, I suppose, examples up. Um, yep. One's a, a beautiful two-year-old filly of 2021 called Just Hope. Yeah. Um, so she won seventy eight. She won seventy eight thousand dollars at two, um, and under the um, old rules, she actually came back as a three year old at fifty. So yeah. her seventy eight grand, and um, and she came back at the same starting point as a horse having its first start. Yeah. Um, there's a few more. Tim Tim's a trooper. Won one hundred and thirty seven thousand um, dollars, and again came back as a fifty which is the same as a horse for having its first start. So, look, the the feedback was consistent along the way uh, from participants that, hey, we're worried about this average three-year-old, that it jumps up to a race early in the three-year-old year and has to race the really good ones or the well-performed two-year-olds straight off the bat. Yeah. So what we're doing here is uh, removing this glut of horses at 50. Uh, we're pushing up these horses that had really good two-year-old careers um, not to free-for-all level, but a few points up the line. Yeah. Um, and this will help horses that were um, average performed at two or didn't race at two at all, um, that they can jump into a race um, as a three-year-old that's really winnable. And will make that bottom level, that 50 to 55 to 58, a lot easier for these average three-year-olds than ever before. Yeah, so... For example, Just Hope com- comes back as a 55 or a 56, and a three-year-old that mightn't be anywhere near as good as Just Hope, it might win its first start somewhere in January or February and goes to a 54. So that horse then doesn't have to even race Just Hope twice. It could meet Just Hope twice in a row where it won as a 51, as a 50 and went to a 54. Then it beats Just Hope again and Just Hope goes to a 58. So that horse doesn't even have to race a horse like Just Hope at all. It can win its first start, and then it's even got a chance to win its second one without meeting the horses like Just Hope, which I think that average three-year-old is going to benefit a lot. And I think that's the main point of the whole reclassification is right there. Yeah, and I can, um, I suppose another example is we had a there's a really good uh, two-year-old um, pacer called Irish Black Label. Yeah. So it won $121,000 at two, won four from seven. Yeah. Um, it came back under the old system as a 55. Um, now, you and I, as uh, we could have had a, a three-year-old race on the 1st of Jan as a three-year-old having its first start. Yeah. And would have, um, let's say we we're lucky enough to, to win a race first up at Maryborough, 
and would have pocketed $4,000 for a win. Yeah. Now, under that system, it, we would have gone from having a one from one, we would have gone from a 50 to a 54, um, earning $4,000 and only be one point behind Irish Black Label, um, who pocketed $121,000. So this is a complete, it's as much a fairness thing, Toby, than anything else. Um, it's about pushing these successful horses up only a few points and allowing um, your average three-year-old or unraced three-year-old to um, get it a lot easier um, at that level. Mate, uh, we're getting close to an ad break, which I've got to take before the close of the hour. So we could go through hundreds of examples where it'll benefit, but uh, I thank you for coming on. And I think this will be well and truly podcasted very heavily. So we'll get this podcast up and I really hope it's cleared it up for a few people and someone coming in off the text. Well said, Cam and Tobes. Always very good with your summations. Great chat. So that that gives a bit of a summary as to what people are thinking, I'm sure, when they listen to this. So thank you, Cam, for coming on, mate, and giving us 10 minutes of your time. Perfect. Thanks, Toby. There is Cam Brown from Harness Racing Australia representing all the states across Australia, which H, which is what HRA are effectively made up of. Let's get to that break that I mentioned. We'll come back the other side. We're going to the back nine shortly with Mick Gurren and Jamie Cockshut. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Thank you, everyone. Oh, that's not for me. Sorry. It's Trot's Life. It's Toby McKinnon. No more J-Bond in general on a Thursday. We still have Billy and Joel, people with two first names. They say that you've got to be careful of them. Mick Gooden in the second hour. Also, we will have in the back nine on moving day, Jamie Cockshut and Charlie Castles, a young man who has his second runner as a trainer. We've seen plenty of him as a driver in Taz Racing. That'll make up our second hour. I see Sooty Hunts tagged me in something on uh, on Twitter, so God help us what that could be. Uh, let's get to the 12 o'clock news. We'll come back with Mick and There's so much happening in NZ land we may need a little bit longer than usual, but I don't know if we're going to have it because we've got a big jam-packed second hour coming up. Welcome to Thursday Trust Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 He's not answering his phone. Unbelievable. Of all the weeks, there's so much to discuss with Mick coming up. I was keen to ask him really one question, and the the question I've got for Mick, well and truly, is the winner of the New Zealand Cup 
almost will be crowned. Well, I think we'll be just instantly crowned the best horse in Australasia. And currently, Rock and Roll Do is $3.20 favourite. It's been well reported and well read from uh, Mick Stanley. Uh, the trials and tribulations. Well, not trials and tribulations. What has gone in- into the horse? And I've got to thank Mick Stanley for what he's done on this trip. It feels like we are on that journey with him. Uh, the horse is flying over to New Zealand. Yes, it's a long flight trip down south to where he's residing. So that would have taken a bit out of him. Mick's been a bit softer on the horse. And then he has that hard run. And on surface, it looked a bit disappointing. But I think he's going to hold the chair. If he, he made a real statement, I think, with the drive. And he'll go into the New Zealand Cup. He's currently favoured at $3.20. Quite astoundingly, he's $3.80 from his $3.80 for the to win the Inter-Dominion final. And three dollars twenty to win the New Zealand Cup. Well, on that, he's either serious overs to win the New Zealand Cup, or he's serious unders to win the Inter Dominion. Uh, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge to win an Inter Dominion. I'll just try Dial and McGurin again. Which, let me tell you, when you're panel operating and you're talking and you're listening to a phone ringing in your ears, there can be a bit going on at one time. So his favourite rock and roll do for the New Zealand Cup, self-assured second favourite, BD Joe has stormed into contention over recent weeks at $6. Copy that. We heard from our man, Garrick Knight. Uh, he, he has this strange, complex, coming off 70-metre handicaps in a lead-in to the New Zealand Cup. But Ray Green, and I ain't going to argue with anything Ray Green does because he is an infinitely better trainer than anything I will ever be. So I've got a funny feeling copy that will step up to the task and Ray will have him spot on for the New Zealand Cup. And I'm just starting to come to the opinion that copy that might be just a better horse in New Zealand. I think he might be a happier horse in New Zealand. It's just... Something about his few trips to Australia, they just don't seem to have gone right for him. So they'll be stoked to be back home in Kiwi land. Coming off the text message, Cam Brown is a beautiful man. Well, uh, I'll be checking who that number is. I haven't put their name on there, and I can pass that on to Cam. The other one, the, the, the Trotters has opened up as well. Sunday Sun surprisingly beaten a couple of times this season. Bolt for Brilliance has come in a favourite at $2.40 for the Dominion Trot. And again, it's $2.40 in the Dominion Trot and $2.50 to win the Inter-Dominion. Well, there's a fair bit of water that got to go under the bridge for him to open up on Inter-Dominion Grand Final night at $2.50 favourite. I'd say that's unders at this stage. So Bolt for Brilliance, all of a sudden he's favourite 240, Sunday Sun 260, Muscle Mountain $6. And the horse I'm tipping is Five Wise Men. Uh, we've had connections on this show before at $14. It is well and truly uh, my tip over the next few years. He was an outstanding two and three-year-old. He had a transition year as a four-year-old where, no, he didn't win too many races. But as a trotter, I think they're best at five, six, and seven. And he's the one, I think, uh, going forward is the horse that will stamp himself over the next two years as the best trotter in Australasia. So 
I'll be keen to see how five wise men go. It ain't better course, which is the beauty of being able to make statements like that. Still no Mick Gurren, so obviously something going on in uh, Mick's world. He's uh, he he did say he'd be available, so uh, something has obviously come up over recent times. So. Yeah, what's happening in New Zealand? It's massive. I couldn't have picked the worst week not to talk to Mick, actually, because there's so much going on there. Uh, we'll be back uh, this time next week, and we'll be a week away from, uh, well, next Thursday is actually going to be a condensed show because it's Oaks Day, so we won't have Mick next Thursday either. Might have to do something about that, maybe get him on a day earlier on the Wednesday or something, and we might uh, make next Wednesday show a bit of a deep dive into the New Zealand racing, perhaps with Garrick Knight in. Uh, Mick Gurren. Now, uh, Swan Hill Cup tomorrow night feature event. I'm going to be there with Trot's Vision. We'll be hosting the Quaddy Legs five, six, seven, and eight uh, with Shannon O'Sullivan and myself. And uh, Torrid Saint. We heard from Noel Watson earlier. I think he's going to be a great chance. Oh, I've got someone ringing me, and it's Mick Gurren. So let's just take this phone call live on air. Mick, uh, I am live on air. Thanks, mate, for ringing back. Firstly, how are you and what's happening there? Mate, my apologies. I'm in a bad um, reception area at the moment, Toby, but, but I'm good and uh, slightly confused. I've been confused by what I've seen in the lead-up to the New Zealand Cup. I was confused by what I saw at Ashburton on Monday. So I think there's a lot of really interesting things happening in the next five or six days, which could actually impact the IRT New Zealand Cup market, and most people may think, yeah. well, that's normal. Well, to be, to be honest, it's not. Usually by the time we get to the stage of the season, there's two chances, maybe three chances of winning a New Zealand Cup. That was the case last year where only self-assured copy that or South Coast Arden can win. Now, I reckon, Toby, there might be eight chances of winning the New Zealand Cup by the time you get out to the spankums of the world and obviously BD Joe emerging and the question marks even now come down to the actual lead up. Do we see lock and roll do go to the cup trial? Do we see self-assured go to the cup trial? Copy that off 70 metres at Cambridge tomorrow, which is just unheard of in modern harness racing. So it's actually really good. I'm really enjoying it, Toby, because we go to the trotting ranks, there's probably only two or three winning chances, as there have been for the last two years, in every major race. But to have this this doubt in the pacing race, um, Majestic Cruiser, for example, has drawn barrier one after emergencies in Malene Smith. I don't think that suits him. And will he even turn up in New Zealand? So there's some really intriguing stuff going on. And I know the Melbourne Cup and Derby Day at Flemington are maybe taking up a lot of people's mental space at the moment. But for harness racing people who like to look at the X's and O's of the harness racing situation. It's bloody interesting. Well, I said, Mick, while I was padding, uh, basically, I feel the winner of the New Zealand Cup will be then crowned the best horse in Australasia. I, I think they'll take the title out of that race, whether it's Rock and Roll Do, Self Assured, Copy That, or even a BD Joe, Old Town Rotokuta, whoever wins it, I think becomes the best horse in Australasia will be crowned yeah, that. I, I, and Majestic Cruiser, I, yeah. I agree. It, it's it's an interesting test case. This New Zealand Cup, and, and it hasn't been the case always lately, and obviously things have been affected by COVID the last couple of years, but this New Zealand Cup's going to be stronger than the Inter-Dominion. 
Yeah. Absolutely no doubt. Now, Rock and Roll Doom and Majestic Cruiser are potentially two of the swing horses. I've got an update for the SEM listeners, and this is the first time you'll be hearing this. I only found out an hour ago. There was supposed to be a flight from Christchurch to Auckland after the Cup Carnival. Now, the idea was to put those horses on that flight, and they will get on the plane, buzz Christchurch, Auckland, which is a hell of a journey because obviously it's like going from Tasmania to Melbourne hmm. because you've got to go across the water. That flight is now longer, no longer going ahead. So the flight is cancelled. So there's no way for Majestic Cruiser, Rock and Roll do, not that it's their be all and end all, or Bolt for Brilliance to get to Auckland without the road trip. So to give people a timeline, they will all race at Addington more than likely if Majestic Cruiser heads there. The two paces in the free-for-all and Bolt for Brilliance in the Dominion 15 days before the Inter-Dominions begin. So they have to race in those races, group ones, have a rest the next day, you can't travel the next day, float back on the Sunday if they want to do this, from Christchurch to Auckland, which is about a 36-hour float trip by the time you stop in a place called, believe it or not, Bulls, on the way through. But you've also got a three-hour ferry journey across a pretty wicked piece of water. Then they'll have to park up in Auckland, probably first time they can go for a jog is Tuesday morning, and then hope to get on a flight from Auckland to Melbourne the following Wednesday. So I spoke to Tony Hurlihy this morning uh, about Bolt for Brilliance. He said, we sort of thought that might happen, and we're still keen to go. We're still keen to rock and roll. Whether the two boys with the paces take the same attitude after a more difficult week because they race twice next week, not on the next week in cup week, if they decide to go to both those races, is really interesting. So um, that news only came out an hour ago. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an absolute deal breaker, but if Rock and Roll do, who they've already indicated they're not that keen on the interdependence, he goes to the New Zealand Cup, then the free for all, then faces an awfully long float trip back to Auckland. Yeah, still. That up. might start to impact some of their decisions. So I'd rather tell people that than not have that information in the public place. And before you came on, Mick, so you, you wouldn't know this, but. Rock and Roll Duo mentions 320 New Zealand Cup, 380 Inter-Dominion. Bolt for Brilliance is 240 for the Dominion and 250 for the Inter-Dominion. You wouldn't take the 380 Rock and Roll Duo for the Inter-Dominion or the 250 for Bolt for Brilliance over the 320 for the New Zealand Cup and 240 for the, for the Dominion. That's very confusing to most, I know. But they're definitely serious unders for those Inter-Dominion finals. And if you're looking for pre-post betting, which I think you're mad if you do anyway... Uh, I'd be looking around them. The other thing too is it gives them only one flight they can give it to Australia. Yeah. There's now one flight which will be on the Wednesday, which is three days before the heat. The flight, the Wednesday flight tends to go, but it misses, and you don't start the heat, you can't start the other heat. You, know, you can't miss one heat and still turn up. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of question marks around that. So really interesting time ahead for those horses. Um, interesting to see whether Mark Purden, self-assured, Mick Stanley, Rock and Roll do go to the Cup trial next Wednesday for standing start practice. If self-assured doesn't, what do we make of him? He's only run unplaced twice in his life. Once was when he broke in the standing start. The other one was on Monday when everybody ran past him. Mm. Um, maybe his era is over. I'm not saying that's the case, but the words that come out of Mark Purden's mouth in the next 10 days are going to have a huge impact on the market. If he says, I'm Rock and Roll, we're keen to go, 
we're going great, then, yeah, maybe he starts close to favourite. He comes out of marks, says, I've got concerns, he might start 8 or $9. So it's really interesting to see. And then, of course, there's the barrier draw, which won the race for copy that last year. He drew to have uh, early superiority over self-assured. That won on the race. And then there's Finn Rachel, who took him on on night at Cambridge off 70 metres. Now, he won on 55 last week over 2,200, which I just gave him no chance of doing. Now, the horses on the 20-metre mark all galloped into each other, so it softened the race up, but it was still a hell of a performance. And he's off 70, over 2,700 tomorrow. Yeah. And you say to yourself, well, can, can he win that? So it, it, it's intriguing stuff on lots of fronts, um, including Menangle on Saturday night. 100%, mate. We've got to get to an ad break. Uh, thanks for calling back and giving us that uh, vital information. I think that's very, very vital information that you've given, particularly about the Inter-Dominions in uh, late November, early December. Mate, uh, some way, shape or fashion, we'll be catching up with you next week. Looking forward to it, Toby. Thanks, mate. There is Mick Goulin, the our NZ correspondent. Let's get a break away. And Jamie Cockshut will join us on the other side with Charlie Castles. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life. It is moving day and we are joined now by Jamie Cockshut and Charlie Castles is there. Firstly, Jamie, mate, uh, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Oh, just um, relaxing, mate. Just about to start work, mate. But I thought I'll have a bit of a chat to you and the, the listeners for, uh, you know, for a half hour, mate, before I get stuck into it. I love how you keep implying that you work and you, you, you're holding that uh, facade that you've got. Oh, well, I've got to, mate. You know, if you don't work, you don't earn a dollar. <laughs> and Charlie, you're there too. How are you, Charlie? And uh, no doubt, mate, you are at work. Yep, at work today, boys. Um, yeah, you're going very good, thank you. Now, tell us a bit, mate. I think we've had you on once before, but uh, you're 22 years of age and uh, you're a part-time harness racing participant. Is that fair to say? Yep, yeah, part-time. Um, I was lucky enough to go to the mainland last year and do a bit of work, so that was a real good learning curve, and now I'm back here really enjoying it. Are you working for anyone in the morning? Your, your grandfather, of course, Peter, or your, or your dad, John? Um, yeah, work. Well, we all sort of team effort, help each other out there at home with um, my dad and my uncle, so, yeah, that's no, a team effort for sure. And tell us, mate, do you still did you play footy this year? I know you're a pretty keen footballer, I reckon, from memory. Yeah, yeah, we played footy. We won the grand final, which was a, a good result for us. And um, I'll be going for a back-to-back next year, hopefully. Oh, very good. And plenty of celebrations after you win a granny, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, fair few. Not for, I went straight off to the races on the Sunday, though, so oh, not man. as hard for, for me as some. But... <laughs> You're kidding yep. me! You've missed the you've missed the best four hours of your life, mate, to go to the trots. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We had a pretty long session before that, so needed a little rest. You're driving this year. You're six on the concession drivers list. You've had the 18 winners, and it'd be fair to say you piled a lot of horses for Ben Yole, and he's wonderful at giving you young bikes a, a go, isn't he? And and girls. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, a lot of horses for Ben, which is a great opportunity to you learn a lot driving all those different horses every week. So it's a yeah, a great 
a great um, a thrill, you'd say, to drive for the leading, leading train in Australia. And um, there's obviously a lot of other people as well who have given me drives, which I'm thankful for, for them too. 100%. Jamie's there. He's champing at the bit to ask you a few questions. I'll hand you over to Jamie now. How you going there, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, it's good to see you've won the, won the flag, mate, for Devonport and, and all that sort of stuff. And by all reports, how, how did you perform on the day, mate? Uh, I, I thought I could have been better. I missed a few sitters and and that, but I did kick one, so... Got no, that's the, the main thing. No, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah. no, that's the main thing, mate. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll touch on we'll touch on your own. We'll touch on Moth Hunter. It's it's great to see uh, your grandfather involved in the ownership of Moth Hunter. Um, Peter Cooley, as you know, he's a doing a Tasmanian harness racing. And um, so, how did how did how did Pop get involved with this horse? Um, we another owner of ours bred the horse, and he was looking to move it on um, due to other circumstances and. We sort of had a few people there that wanted smaller shares and we thought Pop might want to go into it as well, which he did. And I think he's pretty happy he did at the moment yeah. anyway. So. Yeah, he, he would have been pretty excited the other week, even though he's very unlucky running second, but I'm sure he um, would have went away thinking, well, he's going to win a couple of races. And I even see old Steph Pies involved in the ownership too, which is great. He's another lovely older fella and that loves, he's very passionate about the harness game as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, there's a good group of owners there, and they all get along good, which is good. And um, yeah, they hopefully they've got a nice horse for them. <coughs> yeah, well, well, let's start at Devonport, mate, on Friday night. It's a big meeting. Oh, Bernie, Bernie. I mean, it's a it's a big meeting, and it's not far Bernie, from yeah. far from home, so you don't have to do that much travelling. Uh, race one, you're on. He's a rummage. I reckon he's probably the best bet of the night. To be honest, I reckon as long as you get him to ping the tape, he lobs on top. I don't reckon I'll get around him. No, nah, that's right. I think the only one at the start that could hold him out could be keep playing but if um if yeah if Ramage can step and lead he should be a long way to winning then you yeah, know he looks hard to beat and you got another one I, I like later in the night star ruler um hasn't got much form to recommend but he's got a good chance to find the top because he ran, can run the gate when asked and if he does get across as we know but Bernie it's a, a massive advantage and he'll give a bit of cheek as well in race seven especially if you get him across to the pigs yeah, that's right. He's, um, his form doesn't look great on paper, but I think a few of those runs he's been unlucky as well, doing a lot of work or not getting a run when he needed it. Um, as you said, if you lead at Bernie, you're three quarters of the way there. So, and, I think you can do that. And that's similar about Whiskey and Rye in race five. Not much form to recommend, but as raced in tougher company, gets a good draw and He's another one that can run the gate, and it wouldn't shock me to see him find the early lead and, and run a much improved race. Yeah, that's right. He's um, pretty well bred, so if he ran up to his breeding, I reckon he'd be demolishing this lot, but obviously they don't all do that. But, um, yeah, if he can find the top, he should, like I said before, he should be hard to beat like hey, the others. So hey, Charlie, goes good. don't remind us, my brother and my mum had shares in that horse. They bought it out of the yearling sales on its breeding as well, mate. <laughs> Yeah, half the Blazin' and Cullen, I'm pretty sure, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dawn Fraser's brother couldn't swim, so there you go. Yeah. No, you're right there, mate. Now, now we've to Hobart, you know, like in, in recent times, you, you've took out your trainer's licence as well, and, um, you know, that was that a big decision to do that, or was it just something you always wanted to do, Charlie? Oh, it's something I've always wanted to sort of do, sort of um, follow along in my uncle's footsteps a bit, and <clears throat> hopefully 
in a few years, he can take a backwards step and work for me instead of me working for him for free. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I don't know if Uncle John would like to hear that. You know, you, you should be saying the old man. You should be able to say Mick, Mick, Mick can take the back door step and start cleaning out the clean, cleaning out the yards, and you be the boss, mate. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but no, good on you. Yeah. But no, that's good, and you know, you, nah. you're finding it, um, yeah. you know, a, a good learning curve, especially just getting into the training ranks because it's not easy. But you've been around them all your life, mate, and. Um, the horse we're talking about is a is a filly called or a mare called Zarina. Uh, she's only had one start for a second. Was pretty unlucky. It was a good effort. She fronts up in the heat to all the Granny Smith, and um, she's got a oh she she draws okay, but she's behind Miss Barley, which ain't the quickest out. So you might settle three back to pegs, but they do run along, and she gets a gap. Well, she should do enough to just about qualify for the final. Yeah, that's right. We'll just aim to qualify so hopefully we can get a soft run and dash into it. It wouldn't wouldn't really matter if they ran along a bit and opened up a few gaps for us. I think she likes a bit of speed on so that would really help and yeah, if we can qualify that'd be a great a great deal to have a runner in that final, so that'd be good. Um, we'll go back to race four, the one we spoke about earlier, Moth Hunter. Uh, very unlucky on debut. You was looking for runs everywhere, just couldn't get one. You got a late gap and, and flashed home. Very unlucky not to win. Um, drawn four, probably your main dangers drawn inside a horse first up for Rowan Hadley called Bridwood Charlie, who's um, trialled okay and very well related, being a half to Bridwood Bella, who was a standout juvenile a couple of seasons ago. So I'm not sure about the gate speed of Bridwood Charlie, but if Moth Hunter's up on, on, on pace, well, geez, he's going to take a lot of holding out. Yeah, that's right. She, um, she was a bit green and erratic at her first start. She sort of wouldn't score up right into a position and she um, was a bit bit rough and tumbled throughout the race so we decided to take a soft run with her there after that and just give a one shot at them but hopefully she's we've ironed them out and she can um, score up nice and we'll probably just roll forward and see what happens from there um, but yeah she's, she's got a good bit of toe when, when you ask her so hopefully it works out to use that so, out of all the ones we've just spoken about, mate, at Burley and Hobart, um, which is your best chance to get a winner or two on um, over the weekend? Uh, I think Moth Hunter, obviously, she, that first run was pretty good, and um, Bridwood Charlie's an obvious danger, but if we can get the right run, I think we can be quick enough to dash dash over it. Um, yeah, well, he's a run which is always, a, always thereabouts, so... Yeah, well, great minds think alike, mate. You know, I'm pretty keen on Moth Hunter and pretty keen on who's around me. So let's hope we've, we've both got a smile on our face after the weekend and not, a, not egg on our face. But um, um, but just now, I'd just love to see Moth Hunter win. You know, for you and Pop, it'd be great to see um, Pete involved in a nice horse again and, you know, in his later years and, you know, to just get him back to the races and back out at Hobart on Sunday night, mate, and he'll be cheering on as much as anybody. And let's hope he gets the job done for all involved. But um been an absolute pleasure to have you on, young man. You're a good young man. You're a great advocate for Tasmanian harness racing. And I, I did see you get the gig too, mate, about um, when the uh, Tasmanian got the slot for the Eureka. Yeah, yeah, that was a good experience. Tas Racing sent me up there for the um, the luncheon sort of ceremony thing and that was met a lot of interesting people there. And, um, yeah, I think it's good, that race. So hopefully we can have a nice horse from Tasmania go in it and 
compete oh. with them and maybe even win it. So oh, there could be there could be a horse race on Sunday night that could be eligible for it in a year or two, mate. You know, called Moth Hunter, so you never know, mate. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Right. But yeah, yep, but no, exactly. pleasure having you on, mate. Good luck over the weekend, and um, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Hey Charlie, I'll be uh, podcasting. I'll be podcasting this up, mate, and I'm going to post it straight to Wesley Vale. And then you can, uh, John can <laughs> listen to it, and no doubt he's going to want to start to talk about pay rates and what you're going to pay pay him when he's working for you. <laughs> oh, definitely, he'll be definitely looking at all that business stuff up straight away. I reckon. Hundred uh, percent. Let's take an ad break. It's SEN Track Wesley Vale today. Uh, we'll take. A, we'll go to the news. Uh, we'll get in the news over and come back with Jamie Cockshut and where we will talk. Uh, we've got some tips from Jamie, and I might even open the floor to Jamie to talk about his uh, Nostradamus-style prediction on Rock and Roll Do. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. No Jason Bonington today. We are in the back nine. It's now called Moving Day on Thursdays, and... Jamie Cockshut is there. Jamie, you must be pretty proud of your prediction five months ago that Rock and Roll Do is going to be the best horse in Australasia over the next 12 months. It was no one else suggested him, no one else even said him or thought about him, I don't reckon. I don't know what it was, but you are now lining him up into a New Zealand Cup and you are driving that bandwagon. Oh, yes, good to see him. I'm glad to see Mick took him over there and he was very brave on Monday in the um, the... Aspert and race, and you know, he missed away and um, he sat parked and you know, he didn't shirk the task, mate. And that'll just churn him up perfectly for the second November in November, uh, second Tuesday in November <laughs> at Addington. And um, yeah, no, he was always a good horse, mate. Like everybody got caught up in the Bondi lockdown, and yeah, yeah, you know, there might have been another one, but you got to remember, Bondi lockdown, he had so many hard runs in that season, yeah, and horses just can't do that and like I don't like saying it but you know it's probably caught up with him in the last six months that he hasn't been able to dominate because it's bloody hard and Rock and Roll Do was in them all them same races just you know just learning what it's all about but still putting in big efforts running sensational times and just doing things wrong and I thought well if there was improvement in him one day he could take the next step and you know, like, and, and God bless he has, and um, let's just hope he can keep going and, and win that New Zealand Cup. And um, even though I prefer him in the Inter Dominion, because I back him at $51 in the <laughs> Inter Dominion, but I don't, I don't, I don't like I don't think, chances. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get a run for my money, but that's, that's, I don't really care about that. But I just like to see Mick Stanley win a New Zealand Cup because he's one of the, the good guys in the industry, passionate, passionate about not only downfall with him, he's a Collingwood supporter. But, um, but no, nah, it'd be great to see him salute on um, the second Tuesday in November over at Attican, mate. And he's the horse that will do it, and he should be favourite. He is. And as, and as long as he steps and just has no bad luck, and I, I don't see how they beat him, Toby, to be honest. Fair enough, mate. Now your tips. You've got a number of tips here across Bernie and Hobart, so rock and roll, mate. We'll start at Bernie. It's a tight track, as we all know, and... Um, being up front is a massive advantage, and as we just mentioned, talking to Charlie, race one, number three, he's a rummage. He goes well around here. He pings the tapes. The only horse that could hold him out is the one Charlie mentioned, keep playing, but um, I reckon he's a rummage. He'll still get the job done in the first. 
Over to race four, which is the feature of the night. It's a good race too. Some nice horses in this, but number two, rock on a hard place. He's a tough old bugger, and if he lobs on top, they're going to have their work cut out getting around him, and he'll be six, six or seven dollars in that race. Race six, number one, Christian Major. Gets his chance to get back into the winner's list from the pole. He usually steps, and if he lobs on top, he's another one that they'll struggle to get around. And a couple of odds. Race three, number five, on my oath. Good stand start manners. He's drawn the top of the track, so it wouldn't shock me if he pinged across, and if he pinged on top, you know, you know, people probably get sick of what I'm saying. <laughs> pinged on top, he'll give plenty of cheek at around, yeah. you know, $12 or $14. Yeah. And race seven, number six, old of me, this is a mobile race, so he's going to get a soft running behind him. He's got no form. He's racing terrible, terrible to be honest, but if you're behind the leader or three pegs and a bit of a gap comes, don't be surprised to see him hit the line good at, you know, probably 15 or $16 in the seven for the night. Hobart Sunday? Yeah, it's a good meeting at Hobart. It's the second round of heats for the three- and four-year-old size stakes in Tasmania. Race two, number two, rocking overtime. No form, but he finds the right race, gets the right draw. Ricky Duggan jumps back on. He should lead, and that'll see him back in the winner's list. And, you know, we should get $3, $3.50. One we mentioned with Charlie, Moth Hunter, very unlucky on debut. Showed a lot of ability, and he should get the job done. You know, it's just about what price. You wouldn't want to be taking silly odds like $1.40, $1.50, because... Did do a fair bit wrong on debut, but anything $1.82 is a good gamble in my eyes. Uh, race 7, number 6, Mickey O. It was great to see him back as a three-year-old at Launceston last week. He done what he does, win. He done the work, worked to the lead mid-race and just raced away from his rivals and done it easy. And he's going to be primed for the um, the size stake series as well. And he's going to be a leading player, if not the leading player. And he'll get the job done again on Sunday night. Couple of value, race five, number nine, Street Side Classic. Um, just gets a good run through and was pretty good last time. Showed a return to form and if they do run along, which I think they will, look for him to be flashing down the outside at five or six to one. Race ten, number three, Equity Stride. Was very good last time, done a bit of work outside the leader and kept coming and um, he brings that form to Sunday night. He can win the last. And a couple of odds are like race three, number eight, Military Man. Going to get the soft running behind him. Uh, just needs a gap, the old adage, and if it does, he can sprint quickly because he got home strongly last Sunday at Launceston. Race six, number four, Carol's Judge. This is a very competitive heat of the uh, heat of the size. Todd Rattray's got five in it. Yeah. Um, Carol's Judge can run the gate, and if she happens to get across, gee, she's going to run a big race at double figures, and you know she wouldn't shock me if she does, Toby. And she looks a really good gambler at twelve or fourteen to one. And but if she doesn't get across, well, her chances are probably thrown out the window. But she's worth the risk at those those odds. We'll go Aquati. Um, pretty early legs will go wide, and because it's pretty thin at the end of the card. First leg will go three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Third leg two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine. Third leg six only, last leg four only. $42 gives 100% of the dividend. Like it, mate. Love your work again. Great to be back on air with you. And uh, just a note, next week's going to be a condensed show because of Oaks Day. So we'll have to miss next week, but we'll be yep. back in two weeks' time, mate. No worries, Tobe. Pleasure, mate, to hear your dulcet tones again, mate, and, and, and just enjoy it, mate. Yeah, as I said to you, via uh, text last night, uh, 
you are one of my four, the four fans uh, on this show. So thank you very much. <laughs> and one of them includes me. <laughs> oh, I see you, bud. Good on you, Jamie. There's Jamie Cockshut. Always great to have the great man from Taz Racing on. Let's get to our final break, sort of, of Trot's Life as uh, we wrap this up towards 12.50 as Palmer Bet will kick in after that. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back. It is Trot's Life. It is the closeout now. Don't know who's on this afternoon. Cam Luke, I would imagine, on a Thursday. It's normally Cam Luke and maybe Campbell Brown. Haven't seen anyone yet. Thanks to our guest today. Love teeing off with uh, Tim O'Connor. I've still got that clip where his shower's leaking. Love it. Yeah, great teeing off with Tim on moving day here with Trot's Life. Also, Cam Brown from HRA. I know it's a bit more of an industry-focused one, but she was red hot on Twitter last night. I think it'll be a very highly downloaded podcast when that one goes up. And hopefully it clarified a few things for a few people. Also, Mick Gurin, who got back to us. And a big thank you to Johnny Turner. I didn't notice. Johnny must have been listening. sent me a... a, a uh, a private DM on Twitter. Ring me, old boy. Unfortunately, I hadn't seen it. Otherwise, I would have, Johnny. So thank you for that, mate. And great to know that you were listening. Hope you heard me clipping Garrick the other day, too, on your behalf, uh, which we always love to do. Great man, Garrick. And got a few ideas around next Wednesday. We might really deep dive into into New Zealand racing. We'll have Garrick on. Maybe an extended chat with Garrick. Might hold him over the news or something. And maybe even Mick Gurren or a Johnny Turner or someone as well. Uh, let me think about that. Also, thanks, Jay, uh, Taz Racing, Jamie Cockshut. Always great to be back chatting with Jamie. And he's... I, I wanted to highlight that point on Rock and Roll Do's. It just shows what a good judge of horses he really is. And Tazzy Racing's going really well at the moment. I don't care what anyone says. They're different. They're unique. Yep, Benyol has a lot of horses going around. But does it really matter the names of the trainers of the other horses in a race? Whether they're ten different names or they're nine the same name. doesn't matter. you just got your own horse in the race and you worry about your own horse, don't you? I don't think it matters. It's, it's irrelevant. Anyway, maybe I'm a little bit different. Hang on. Everyone says I'm a lot different, so I'll take a little bit different because that's better than a lot different. It's been Trot's Life for your Wednesday and Thursday with Toby. Tomorrow it goes back to Jay Bon. I assume it's uh, he'll be chatting with Dan Malecki. They'll look at Melton on Saturday night. Massive card of racing. Highlight the Queen of the Pacific. It is a not-to-be-missed race. I think we may see one of the defining efforts in harness racing over the last decade. For ladies in red to back up off what she did last week would be absolutely amazing. I don't care. I don't care regardless of the field. I think Brave Kelly's a very nice mare, and I think she's going to give her a real run for, for, for winning this race. 
And the ra- the race is going to be on Bravey Kelly's racket, really. Leads. Does she hand up the ladies in red if she comes? She may do. And then try and outping her like Doug's babe did. If she can find in the depths of her body to lift again ladies in red at the top of the straight, this could be an absolute classic, the Queen of the Pacific. I can't wait for it. That's Trot's Live for your Thursday edition. It's been moving day, and now we'll move to a break and come back with the Palmer Vet section and lead on.